You're listening to The Hour with Resident Advisor. The Hour! This, this is this, this, The Hour. You're listening to The Hour. This is The Hour with Resident Advisor. Hello and welcome to The Hour. My name is Martha and I'm the producer behind this show and I'm also a DJ on London's Radar Radio. I'm usually behind the scenes working on The Hour, but today I'm going to be guiding you through a music scene that I love. So the music and the scene that we'll be discussing on this month's show doesn't actually have a name and it doesn't necessarily have a sound. This music has grown into a thriving global community, but if you ask anyone in this community what makes it a community, you'll probably get a different answer each time. This music often reaches the world without the help of a record label. It can be fiercely experimental, aggressively mainstream and sometimes both at the same time. This loosely connected scene is characterised by a heightened awareness of social and political issues and at its core is a sense of openness and inclusivity. So what exactly are we talking about? Well, to put it in simple and broad terms, we're talking about an emerging generation of club music and club music fans. For our first ever feature-length documentary on the hour, we're going to be meeting some of the artists, promoters, labels and writers who have helped to broaden the horizons of what we know as club music. We started our journey by meeting a couple of guys who run one of this scene's best parties here in London. Hello, I'm Joe, aka Ides. I run Tropical Waste with Seb. <laughs> I'm Seb Wheeler, a music journalist and run Tropical Waste with Joe. Yeah, it's a party that focuses on experimental but fun club music uh, in a small basement in Stoke Newington. We, we like to think the music's always kind of forward thinking, for want of a better term, and we try and ensure that the atmosphere is always warm at each of our parties. So there's one red light, the booth is on the floor, the DJ's basically in with the crowd, and yeah, everyone has a kind of vibey time. Yeah, it's Tropical Waste. Here for the next two. We started the Tropical Waste parties two years ago off the back of a radio show on NTS, which is still ongoing, at a time when London was really whitewashed by house and techno, and there just wasn't a place where you could listen to experimental electronic music that would trip you out and make you dance. I also like being pushed out of my comfort zone when I'm in a club space. The boundary between traditional and new has definitely disintegrated. When Bjork turns up to your party, you know that there's something going on and there's some cross-pollination going on. The emphasis has always been on, it's like this non-pure kind of idea, you know, like it's not about a particular sound necessarily. We like to juxtapose sounds for sure. And that's kind of prevalent in all of the lineups that we book. There's a kind of certain discord between the artists because they're from different backgrounds and different sounds. They all work on the same lineup because they're coming from a kind of outsider angle and viewing electronic music and club music in different ways. It's definitely not an audio file thing. It's not about like using the most expensive analog equipment that you can find. It's about immediacy and kind of 
you know, a lot of the stuff we play is like MP3s and yeah, it's it's made on kind of cheap equipment and I think that's actually really important, isn't it? It's like the the sound if if there is an aesthetic uh whole, it's a kind of digital crisp but bit of crud as well. <laughs> Do you see tropical waste as being a part of a network beyond London? Yeah, I think tropical waste is definitely part of a wider international network of crews, labels and parties who are pushing this kind of experimental club music. Um, again, for want of a better term, because although it's experimental, it's always really fun. And the term experimental kind of brings about connotations of chin stroking. But I mean, if you, I mean, if you look at like Ghetto Gothic in New York, Janus in Berlin, Cream Cake in Berlin, Boohoo uh, in the same city, then there's Staycor in in Stockholm. Uh, there's Evolver also in Stockholm, Nafi in Mexico City. The, like the list kind of goes on and on and I guess because of the internet this 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 network of of people has occurred who do you see as the influential figures in this world that tropical waste exists in what's quite inspiring about it is that it's at the moment it's constantly evolving so you have your highly influential figures but there's also new heroes in the making like every month so the astral plane label has been really influential this year, I think, as has Infinite Machine, Stakeor as well. Yeah, it's like this ever-expanding timeline or history. It's like re-upping every, every minute. <laughs> I think you can trace the whole movement, if you will, back to Ghetto Gothic, New York, also Total Freedom, Kingdom and Fade to Mind. I'd say those individuals are like the ground zero of it all you can't really talk about this without like janus you know low tick mesh kablam yeah they for me they were like they're very important this is dan from janus and also the german version this is dan from janus <laughs> we're in berlin where i'm based uh, Janus is a, a club night and a record label, very broadly. I want it to be as open-ended as possible. Anything, really, truly anything. I mean, the idea is the club expects nothing of you. You know, the equipment is there, the lights are there, and that's kind of, that's all you have to deal with. If you can play, if it's an MP3, if it's a file, if it can be played on a CDJ, it can be played, and it should be played. Other than that, I think drama. I like dramatic music. I like dramatic musicians. I like dramatic DJs. Um, I like to create dramatic moments. If I'm booking somebody, I think that their music has a huge amount of emotional content. Aside from that, I wouldn't know what else to call it. It's dramatic music, it's powerful music, um, and that's about it. So our residents are Kablam, Mesh, and Jacarian. Um, and then we kind of have a network of artists that you know we consistently work with it's spread across the world, but uh, you know, people like Total Freedom, um, Principi Discos artists, uh, the Hundabis guys in Milan, people like Primitive Art or uh, Lorenzo Senni. We've been doing stuff at Berghain, um, and our next show is there in October. Um, of course, Studios in London, kind of the main places that we've been a lot recently. Two great venues. I really like those clubs. I was inspired and interested in how open-ended a club can be. Um, I think part of that comes from being in Berlin 
where clubs are, they're very blank. Uh, they're not, there isn't the kind of, I don't know, I guess art direction or styling you might get in New York, possibly in London um, or anywhere else. So a lot of them are raw spaces. They're very dark. They have very good sound systems. And when you kind of have those conditions, you can really do anything. Nothing really feels weird in that space. Um, I like to say that it's a bit almost like a, a probabuna, which is German for like a, like a test stage, like where people try out stuff in the theater before it actually goes on stage. It's blank. So you can put anything in there and it's not gonna be weird. Back in August, the cream cake party was happening at Ohm Club in Berlin. Earlier that day, they'd collaborated with the New York-based Discwoman crew to put on a workshop for female-identifying aspiring DJs. It was there that we began to understand more about the social and political attitudes that bind some of these artists and music fans together. Hello, my name is Daniela. I'm a co-founder of Cream Cake and 3HD Festival. I'm sitting here in the beer garden outside of Ohm. This is Frankie from Discwoman here at Ohm Berlin. We had a workshop, CDJ workshop, with uh, Discwoman, Emma aka uh, Umfang explained uh, the theory behind mixing. So she went on to where to plug in the USB, how to plug in the cables actually and empower yourself. And then it went on to really um, basic stuff like how to beat match. After this, um, everyone was able to try out um, the equipment and first person was playing a techno song, quite classical, and then next participant came on and played the thong song, <laughs> which was so, so funny. It got really, really warm and, and lovely. It's so rare that you get spaces where you can like be vulnerable and like ask questions that you think are dumb or like someone's told you they're stupid. I really liked that they were also confident, the girls, and I just really wanted to practice and uh, show the music. Hi, I'm Tia. I'm from New Zealand and I'm here tonight at the Cream Cake Discwoman workshop. Just been like learning introduction how to DJ and it's got less of that sort of oppressive vibe about it. It's just more welcoming. Um, it's really cute. It doesn't feel like judgy at all. It doesn't feel like even if someone kind of knows a little bit more what they're doing, they're just here to help and help out all the other gals. I don't know, it feels very supportive. Elizabeth and I kind of like went B2B. Tried, tried to go B2B. My name is Elizabeth. I'm from El Paso, Texas, and I've been living in Berlin for about a year. Labels that I listen to, like Stakecore and Nafi, like these DJs affiliated. So uh, I'm Marlene. We are at home tonight for the cream cake night, and yeah, I think it's some one of the reasons why people come here, because it's like really mellow and really, you know, dark, and people feel like safe, I would say. Cream cake started 2011, um, so it was based on milkshake concept, which was a safe place for women and friends. Uh, we started first as only doing uh, women showcases, but then we opened it up to um, every type of gender. We started at the place called Südblock, which is also a politically very active place. So that gave us a really, really safe place. Since 2011, there's a huge artist roster we have showcased, and it's it's quite funny how how different it is. So we had Le Young Lean, we had Lil B, but we also had Unique or more New Jersey or Vogue people. So it's it's quite broad. The crowd from Cream Cake is uh, they're very diverse. Yeah, very open-minded. It's a really nice crowd to work with, actually. <laughs> very proud of them.
At uh, midnight, we have uh, the actual show where it's only female lineup, and um, two disco men members will play. It's DJ Haram and uh, Bearcat, and then we have New York-based DJ HD and uh, Yang Ling, who just moved to Berlin, and uh, Tsior, who is also living in Berlin. My name is Frankie Dekeza Hutchinson. I'm one of the co-founders of Disc Women. Um, we started about two years ago as a two-day festival at Bossa Nova Civic Club in Brooklyn. Um, we went in with the intention of just doing a one-off event where we were just going to highlight women, like identified talent in the community because we wanted to like celebrate how much there was. It wasn't like, we didn't come at it like a, we're going to fight like misogyny. That wasn't our first like intent but then after that <laughs> we kind of were like oh shit like we can actually do something with this and actually make a like political statement like with what we're doing and uh, it was just received like really well and then we were like well one way that we can affect change is by doing a booking agency and representing women talent and kind of like fighting at like the front lines of that kind of thing. So we have a roster of five artists, um, Emma is one of them, Mumfang, uh, Volvox, Bearcat, DJ Haram and Shyboy. I feel like the new generations are so like on it for some reason. Um, and that's obviously very generally speaking, but some of the language they use is like, I was not talking about things like that when I was that age. Like in any way, I did not have any like sort of social sort of understanding of stuff. Like people are questioning stuff like way earlier now, uh, which is dope. Disc Woman is like so badass and it's like really cool to see all these badass women like taking over this club and kind of like doing their thing and doing it even better, you know? If I compare my experiences at um to Bergheim, like definitely a younger crowd. You see a lot more intersectionality, I would say, in um like POC. I, that's really refreshing to me because I'm a minority. <laughs> hey, I'm Zior. We're right now at Ohm Club in Berlin and uh, it's a party that I'm going to play later called Cream Cake. I think like if you create a space with uh, an event or a party that is a very open and inviting space, people also are very much more open to let go and like be themselves and like release stuff too. I think mostly I appreciate also environments that are mixed in general. Mostly want to play parties that I don't feel like a outcast or whatever. I often feel misunderstood in this world in general, so I think, yeah, like the parties that I described that are magic for me, those are the ones who I also want to play most. Zia and the other girls I spoke to at the workshop showed that being open-minded, curious and politically aware often come hand in hand with this music. I'm Adam Harper. I'm a music writer. I've written about underground electronic music, particularly music on the internet. I'm also a bit of a musicologist and do a bit of uh, music history and a bit of lecturing and teaching as well. Social justice uh, and identity politics has had a massive resurgence in the past five years. And there are all sorts of reasons um, for that. Um, you know, rising levels of education, rising levels of conversation between people, rising levels of awareness, especially things like Tumblr and Twitter are making people aware of various different forms of oppression. Most visibly, I think Black Lives Matter in the States has uh, has both informed and run alongside this growth in, in awareness. You see people like Non talking about this stuff in, in their tweets, in their music even. The main thing is it's a rise in visibility and it's a rise in people talking about it and, and not standing for it anymore. And um, this sense that we've come to a, another kind of, 
almost like another civil rights era where there's a lot of anger and a lot of oppression and a lot of opposition and a lot of debate um, going on at the moment. I think that that really gives a lot of the music its character. Um, that sense of both a celebration and something that's uh, that's frightening at the same time. It's the pain and the pleasure of of modern life under the thumb uh, at the same time. And that's why this music comes from people who have had those experiences with so much more eloquence and, and freshness, I suppose. Hi, I'm Kisi. I'm a co-founder of Non, alongside Chino uh, Amobi and Angel Ho. Kisi came round to my house to walk me through Non Worldwide's manifesto. We're all citizens of Non. Uh, non is a sovereign state. Uh, our citizens run counter to culturally offensive practice. Our purpose is to purify spaces at a radical zero and to initiate the possibility of healing colonial trauma with cultural insurrection. Non is a borderless state which spans uh, the globe. Uh, we are sonic healers. Our work and intent is to heal. We speak our own language for our own people. Our transmission is daily insurrection, a weapon to destabilize and deterritorialize our audience. Through this process of sonic reclamation and re-territorialization, we redirect the listener's attention to our message. Our music is also a, a way to circulate new narratives and um, for the exorcism of the language of domination and the perceptions that come with it. Our music begins with none and ends with none. Yeah, the music also highlights systematic violence, or that's really important in our practice. Basically, our archive of all the, the sounds made by the non-citizens is a kind of like a sonic diary of like um, the expressions of like every artist. We basically present a range of genres and soundscapes uh, which have all their complexity and subjective meaning to our respective communities. And um, that's why like the music platforms are really important for us uh, because they give us the possibility to have a conversation about systematic violence and um, gives us also the place to like critique it uh, from our own spaces while producing music that comes from our communities and it's for our communities. My name is Sami Baha. I'm from Istanbul. I make music. There are kind of three or four big companies in Turkey right now. They got all the domination of industry. They keep pushing their music and that's why music industry got a block in Turkey because these guys pushing deep house and stuff. I don't hate that but I'm just so tired of like if promoters, if DJs scared to play some weird music, people should not listen it. Everything just break down, this stuff, bombings and stuff. Then, then right now it's kind of a like it, it just stopped everything in Istanbul. I, I, I'm talking about entertainment. They cancelled at least five or six festivals after this bomb. But young generation got a flame because if someone push you like you charging so I, I always believe that there is something about the levels of passion and outrage 
in this music that is really informing people and changing people and opening people's eyes. One of the words that has uh, been used kind of colloquially for this this new moment all over the place is woke. People are aware and conscious of um, the, the political realities. I think this music is is really woke. And the opposite of that is music that just carries on and just cycles through it the same old reference points the same old grooves the same old smoothness through the same old institutions from from the same old people who don't understand why the world needs to be different are making music that just sounds the same people who are really crying out for a new world are making music that expresses beauty and terror as part of the same thing and negotiating which is which and trying to figure out what where the thrill is where the happiness is, where the sadness is, where the excitement is, where the pain is. That's part of the challenge of this music. And it's part of the challenge of being a human being in 2016 too. So I think the music is helpful in that regard. Hi, my name is Alberto, AKA Mexican Jihad. I do the creative direction for NAFI. We started this project three years ago Essentially, it was like all these different remixes and club tools that all within the family we keep spinning and sharing inside the Facebook group. But eventually, like a lot of people wanted or were asking for these tracks. So we decided, okay, we played them enough, now let's share them with everyone. It's copirata because none of the bootlegs are official and you can't really like even upload them to SoundCloud anymore. Before, electronic music used to be sort of like a reserve area or like fields of work to like people who used to have access to technology or like the means to like travel and replicate this style of music because even though there's like a party culture everywhere in the world when you talk about a club culture or that specific economy doesn't really exist in many places so like for example mexico city still has to develop like a club economy and like the proper infrastructure for like electronic music to be like mainstream or like super widespread but yeah it definitely having the input from like many different places and different crews makes the electronic music by itself like very much diverse and much more like complex looking to the origins of this scene we asked musicologist adam harper if he could try and pinpoint the key figures who have sparked the imaginations of the world's freshest electronic music producers to my mind uh, one of the largest um, single influences on this stuff is is ghetto gothic uh, this is a party from the early 2010s in new york it incubated so many artists who are who are huge and uh, really fresh and really leading uh, the conversation right now total freedom of course engu zanguzu chino amobi arca went to those parties already it's kind of legendary as setting a uh, an agenda for uh, sounding a certain way, dressing a certain way. I think the role of Venus is, is especially important in the promotion aspect. Like what Venus is doing is actually like creating a scene and a community around it. Sometimes that's more important or like very crucial for the music to like actually take place and manifest and like communicate with other areas. So I think the work that Venus has done is like really, really special in terms of like what the space that she has created. And I think Ashland has offer this whole range of vocabulary that a lot of people were not aware or like not really sure they could like mess with inside the club. 
So yeah, definitely his mixing style has given a lot of like freedom and like a new range of like a broader vision for a lot of producers and DJs to experiment and like give themselves more chances in the dance floor. I was living in New York at the time, so I went to that party. Here's Dan from Janus. I heard so much music that I'd never ever heard before. And importantly, I heard it played live. I heard it played in a club, in a social setting. Um, and so much of that stuff was only music I'd, I'd heard downloaded on the internet, on my computer, personally, privately. Hey, Venus X. Hey, Martha. So quite a range of people have been telling us how important Ghetto Gothic has been in paving the way for a new generation of club music. What were your initial intentions with Ghetto Gothic as a party? Um, well, I guess it was pretty selfish. I just wanted to create a space for my friends and I to play music and to dress um, how we wanted to and to kind of like be bad, <laughs> you know? Um, there's no better way to say it. It's just when you're young and you want to have fun and you realize that what people are selling you for nightlife isn't actually any fun. You just make your own thing. And then it, um, I guess it went a little further than we expected <laughs> because um, at the time, I think when I started, the space was like 70 people big it was like a bar um and then we outgrew that and kept growing but um it was never the intention to have a career or to um you know become famous or anything like that it was actually the opposite <laughs> tell me about the climate in new york for musicians and for creatives and how you've seen that change so, yeah, New York, as always, is uh, rejecting its most incredible talents and in favor of capitalism and pretty girls and idiotic um, kind of like ideas of what nightlife should be. And so at the time when I started, very much like now, there has been nowhere for my DJs to play, for my friends to play, for the music that we like to be heard, for new music to be introduced into the um, mainstream uh, so the space that we created seven years ago is still needed more than ever. And um, yeah, the climate of New York is pretty much the same as everywhere else. Um, cash rules, everything. And so I'm here to make sure that the people who are constantly like used or disregarded or whatever um, have space because their music is amazing. And it's not because they're disregarded or marginalized that I work with them I work with them because I love their music and they just so happen to also be marginalized and um it's not you know it's not fair that kind of like music is narrowed down into like very finite experiences of what identity should look like yeah I mean nothing has changed dramatically except that we have as DJs grown our platforms and we have more influence and more power we still have no venues we still have no funding and there's still people coming along every day that kind of don't even understand the basis of what we do and um, are inspired by or you know like our aesthetics or whatever and just take it um, or our curatorial ideas or whatever and New York is still you know a huge mecca for new music you have people like my Q Total Freedom LSDXOXO huge Queen Beat Collective um, you have the Kung Collective with False Witness and RZA you have Hood by Air you have basically the gestation of what is contemporary um, youth culture and everyone will tell you 
you know anyone you interview around the world we did it first we started it first and we did it not for the money without any funding still with no resources we're doing it um because we have to because these are creative people who need space um so yeah that's where we're at i mean it's a struggle that's that's still where we're at could you describe a ghetto gothic party for someone who hasn't had that experience ghetto gothic parties are pretty predictable in the best way um they're predictable in the way that you're going to get a different DJ every hour. You're probably going to hear music you've never heard before. It's going to be mixed different every week. And you're usually going to get a performer um, who you've never heard or who you didn't pay to see. Basically, you get more than you pay for. You always get a lot of great music. People are really happy when they come there. There's different levels of interaction from the way the DJs use their CDJs through MCs just coming and grabbing the mic and freestyling for hours. We have a lot of personal personalities hosts who bring you know literally just bring personality to the table they are hospitable and they are insane um, they dress crazy and they make people have a good time it's a lot it's like a six-hour experience um, and it's meant to be that different genres different experts um, some are better at ballroom some are better at Jersey Club some are better at Brazilian ballet funk some are better at futuristic bass some are good at it all and so together what they allow you to do is kind of feel the black the white and I don't mean race at all, I just mean like the extremes of um, sound and experience within the nightclub, which I think, you know, is also lacking because every song doesn't have words. And also we can't just be in spaces that are completely experimental. I refuse. Um, I want to have a good time and I want to hear things that I'm familiar with. And I also want to be challenged. And I also want to listen to like what my idea or what my friend's ideas of the future is. And they can do that by sketching it out in Ableton and making beats and making edits and stuff like that. So, yeah, um, you know, when you give six different people an hour or five different people an hour and you tell them do whatever you want, I trust you. Um, the idea is that you can predict that it will always be unpredictable. You're listening to The Hour with Resident Advisor. For loads of us in the UK back in the early 2010s, Bok Bok and Elvis 1990s Night Slugs label opened our ears to the endless possibilities of combining different sounds and influences in club tracks. Ryan Keeling, RA's editor, Skyped with Bok Bok in Tokyo to learn about the original creative vision behind the label. Hi Ryan, you alright mate? Yeah, yeah, not too bad. How's everything with you? Yeah, good man, good. Uh, it's just currently 6pm in Tokyo. Just, uh, it's, it's fucking steamy out here, man. People we've spoken with for this piece have mentioned Night Slugs, the label you run, uh, Fate of Mind and Ghetto Gothic as being highly influential in this yeah. like loosely connected hybrid experimental uh, club scene, whatever you want to call it. And I just kind of wanted to zero in on, on why that might be really. Well, you know, I mean, for one thing, that's something I really appreciate because, I don't know, man, before I even was doing music, I was just really into the idea of just, like, following the lines through and just trying to figure out, like, how influences spread and stuff like that. So, you know, it's a conversation I'm down to have. Um, you know, yeah, it's undeniable that there's definitely, um, there's definitely some club tracks that are coming out that reference some of the recent stuff that we've done. Um, but, to be honest with you, I think that, that like, more of an influence might have been just the idea of like, just like our influence is spreading. And I think that that is something that's also inevitable with the internet, you know? But at the same time, like, you know, if we do a mix and track list some of the tracks that are that, that are in the mix, 
then people are going to be able to Google them. And, you know, from there on in, the, the, the ideas spread and the influences spread. And I think that one of the most important things about Night Slugs in general over the years has just been like we've had these common influences that we can all draw from yeah. and kind of make reference to. And like, like if Phil makes a track that has like a, a certain kick pattern or something, and then, you know, we, we kind of know what he's referencing, but he will also build something on top of it that is original. As DJs, part of our job is to to spread spread the knowledge in a way, and just like you know, if we find stuff that we love, we still push it out there. And the whole point is that others will discover it and also get into it. So another uh, recurring theme in this discussion has been this um, idea of the line between mainstream and the underground kind of collapsing. Um, yeah. It feels like this is something that you guys have been exploring yourselves and I just wonder what uh, really excites you about this idea. Yeah, this is definitely something that is kind of like one of the most ex exciting things to us about music in, in, in this day and age. It just feels like anything is possible at the moment. It doesn't feel like creatively or aesthetically there's any real limits to what you can actually make into a, a pop song at the moment. And that is honestly my dream in music. Like. I honestly believe that you can build a, uh, you can write a song over the top of almost anything, and um, the fact that you know more people in the in the pop world are starting to kind of share that vision. Like recently, I met some incredible writers um, that have done some incredible and really mainstream music, and they kind of share that vision and they 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 share the belief that you can write a song over almost any kind of beat. It's just so exciting that those those things are flattening. Um, I think it's inevitable. Again, in the age of the internet, it's the way that ideas spread is just so like it just spreads in all directions at all times, in the most sort of anarchic, chaotic way. And um, I think that that can only create really cool new sort of shapes or forms. And the, the spread of ideas is just not limited in any way these days. We all definitely were coming from a place where. You know, locality wasn't mattering to us. We were really looking for dark, raw club sounds. We were looking for them from all over the world. That's the voice of Kingdom, who co-founded the Night Slug sister label, Fade to Mind. I was like meeting people like Mike Q and Shane from Hood by Air in New York and Total Freedom and Nguzu and Guzu were doing stuff in Chicago and then eventually moved to LA. Uh, Prince Will was in Dallas working with rappers and, and kind of getting involved in the rap scene down there. So it was kind of all those localities combining into one, but also us like digging through the internet, you know, looking for Bubbling and Kaduro and, you know, listening to a lot of like homemade rap and snap and crunk type music. So it was kind of an interesting mix. And then also, you know, some of us had had been involved in um, or at least, at least as a as a um, spectator, had had seen some of the Vogue scene in New York. So there was this kind of like mixture too of straight and gay and and overground and underground. And I think for me, also being in New York, there were some mainstream influences. I think in the you know in the mid two thousands when I was kind of forming my musical identity, I was also like you know, listening to what was on Hot 97 and what was like the reggaeton that was playing out of cars in New York. So there was kind of like this mix of like, what's the underground like fucked up sound that we are excited by, but also fearlessly mixing it with like whatever was the biggest song, you know, in the hood or, or on Hot 97. We still are pushing the boundaries and some of the stuff we do still is not going to translate to a mainstream audience. I think that the the culture overall still sometimes isn't ready for that crossover. 
we're here to like create an emotional resonance and you can't dictate what kind of tools you know it goes back to even people being like oh like it has to be analog or some people just setting those kinds of standards on things you know it's just like we don't have those kind of rules the way we're working and if it creates the emotional resonance that we're looking for then we're going to use it do you know what i think it's about being honest with yourself and that's what it really comes down to i used to come home from school and turn on mtv and there was you know atb and trance and stuff like that alongside the backstreet boys alongside britney alongside you know new metal and that's the way that i really grew up and to, to deny that would be would be wrong you know because so before i started going raving there was all this music there and it's not irrelevant and it's not something that you can just compartmentalize into well that was my youth and then the real the real you know influence started when i heard drum and bass or the real influence started when i heard garage it's not true it's simply not and i think it's just the generational acceptance of the fact that like pop has been ubiquitous and like a huge influence and is also kind of like awesome like pop songs are great achievements when they work because they're just so good they're so universal. Here's Jur, the infinite machine artist who we met in Berlin. When I do a DJ set, I think it gives me more freedom to go even further with the approach. I try to like put together a DJ set that has all sorts of different genres and styles of music and try to make it that one complex round thing that hopefully makes sense together. I think in a very perverse way, I've always wanted to think of the party as being a pop night. Which, which sounds really funny, um, but I think what links what Janice does or what a lot of our peers do to pop is that, I mean, pop music, I think at its base, it wants to be as visceral and as connecting as possible. Um, it's just kind of the tools that it uses, you know, what pop producers are using to get people to pay attention and to connect with them are very kind of aggressive and like powerful things. Um, and in the same sense, I like to work with musicians and I think they all employ sounds and music that to me has the exact same effect as pop. It's very, it's loud and it's aggressive and it's, and it's what it's really trying to do is viscerally connect with the people who are hearing the music on a very physical level and a very emotional level. So as a DJ, I need just as much as the person listening to me. It's my main medium, so when I get on the decks, that's the only time I really have to like paint on my canvas. Music is a soundtrack to so many experiences, and it's not something that we should take lightly. It's actually how people grow up. It's like what makes them feel comfortable with themselves. It enables relationships, from friendships to love, to sexual experimentation. And it is the glue that holds together, you know, how we dress, how we act, how we dance, who we talk to, who we meet, what we believe in. The only thing that passes through all of those is music. And DJing is the main place where I get to like exercise. And I don't mean work out like gym wise. I mean like demonically exercise my shit. So all of my frustrations and all of my excitement and all of my fears and all of my ideas, they all come out during my DJ set. When you're a DJ that has no one limit, no one genre kind of limit, then as a producer, then your mentality is just to try and make tracks for that for that limitless DJ set. And it's like, you know, I love Total Freedom's name because that really that it just this it says it all. Do you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, yes, this is like a new project thing. One of 
one EP will be like more kind of focused towards club heaviness and then the next one will be more focused towards kind of musicality. With this one it's more kind of atmospheric. That's Endgame. He's one of London's best new DJ producers and he's recently signed to Hyperdub. He's showing us one of his new tracks. just use uh, software and MIDI controllers. I think there's always as well like a thing in electronic music of what plugins should be used for what style of music. And I think that's something I'm trying to play with quite a lot, I guess, like use the wrong sounds for something. So, so yeah. Is there a typical way you would um, write a drum loop? Yeah, basically, um, I mean, I guess it starts with the tempo, so like, depending on which kind of tempo I'm working with, definitely dictates the type of drum pattern. And I guess this, for me, the slower the tempo, the, the more of a challenge it is in a way to write uh, kind of powerful drum sounds. I guess I use the MIDI controller quite a lot to as a step sequencer. Um, so they kind of have that uh, kind of militant style precision, I guess. Like, and then in terms of drum sounds, like it's always just the kind of most abrasive ones, I guess. I've been DJing for a long time, and then kind of only producing in the last like four or five years. Working with friends and stuff has been kind of crucial to kind of developing my sound and um, the friends that I've started making music with and that I continue to now, like Camilo and uh, Uli K uh, and Blaze Kid in the beginning, I think we all kind of had the, I guess the excitement of feeling like we were trying to find a new sound, I suppose, is what made me want to continue making music. I didn't want to be like another grind producer. That was like kind of what we like kind of grew up on, I guess, and like influenced a lot of the kind of sound palette and stuff, but I think never felt a part of that scene. I think felt very kind of alien from it in a way. I didn't feel like it was a, a scene that I kind of connected with outside of the music. I think can be quite kind of a macho atmosphere and like I was more interested in the kind of vulnerabilities in music, I guess. Um, the motivation was always to make something new. We spoke to Endgame about a London-based party that's really relevant in this scene, Endless, run by Lexi. Lexi started putting on parties about maybe six years ago or so, and he was a friend already, but I think immediately, like, the atmosphere that he was going for was something I totally identified with, uh, which was outside of kind of what was expected of, like, electronic music I suppose and like people that maybe didn't fit in to other scenes I suppose felt comfortable there and there was a kind of openness and like a encouragement to express yourself and take risks I suppose um, and there's never the pressure to to be a certain way or to play a certain type of music it felt like we had our own thing I suppose I, I guess like there were maybe different scenes in other countries that were maybe similar but I think in terms of London like what Lexi started doing was yeah really important I think and I guess then them bringing people who were, I guess, acquaintances online and then getting to meet them and people like uh, YB and Alicia Crampton and Total Freedom 
um, and they would all come and play the parties and it was always like a shared, uh, I guess like motivation or like just a shared approach. Sonically, it might sound quite different, but like the approach is still, still the same, I think. There are definitely themes and there's, there's similarities, but we really like everybody has such a different approach to like making stuff and like, and actually such a different sound. It's more the kind of, uh, the attitude that like unites everyone rather than a specific sound, I would say. Mexican Jihad from Nafi. When you talk about like Global Club or when you try to talk about like a broader or like more global sound aesthetic, it often has to do more than with specific sounds. It has to do more about networks and the way people are collaborating and like sort of like producing. Uh, so that way, instead of just like collaborating with like talented musicians, you're building a network of people that can operate or facilitate like the traffic or the communication between the different projects, sounds and like cities. Here's Seb Wheeler from Tropical Waste. I think everyone involved in this network is very independent. You're seeing people releasing their music themselves, doing parties for themselves, even organizing tours for themselves without agents or labels or press. Obviously that's enabled by the internet, but then it's also enabled by a, a willingness to engage with this network and meet like minds who are putting on parties or releasing music so everyone kind of collaborates in a way. Some of this generation of producers and music fans who were brought up using SoundCloud and Hulkshare are moulded into a community by key platforms such as Classical Tracks. Hello, my name is Matthew Lutz. Uh, I run Classical Tracks and I currently reside in uh, Pennsylvania. Classical Tracks started about two to three years ago as a Facebook group. Um, the main idea behind Classical Tracks was to help connect the world of club music on a global scale instead of just having you know your friends um, that were located in a city we wanted to connect people on a global scale and I feel like another purpose is allowing people who normally wouldn't get an opportunity to produce tracks learn about that type of music whether it be club or electronic we want to give them a platform through the Facebook group allow them to make tracks release the tracks and get out there for the world to see Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud, Tumblr, Instagram. Each tool allows us to kind of connect with people from different parts of the world, and that's really helped. We have members from Israel, members from Japan, Australia, Norway, Mexico, and the list goes on and on. So it's, it's really neat to see that, and I feel like that's one of the things that we've really distinguished from previous generations of musical groups as we've advanced with the help of the internet. But um, also something that we really want to instill um, with people is the ability to communicate in real life, to meet with people, to go to parties, shows, house shows, or just to meet up and talk about music. Those are really key elements of um, general life that as a Classical Tracks member, you should be trying to, to achieve. So at the beginning, here's Venus X. I used Facebook a lot because that's where my friends were, that's where I could write long-winded essays about how I was feeling about the world, and there was a lot of people just ready. They were ready for what we did. Timing is everything, and the internet was what we used at that time to get the message across. But the point is that Ghetto Gothic is the real life part. So if I see you and I like your stuff online, I hope you'll come to the party, and then we can meet in real life. If there's no real life part, the internet is kind of just like 
too nerdy and way too like removed um everything is up for um interpretation and also opinion and that's not how you're supposed to live life you're not supposed to be worried about what people think or how people perceive you all the time you're supposed to be free you can only be free in real time around people who respect you who love you and who engage your you know ridiculousness uh, my name is Gabe Meyer. I run the Astral Plane and Astral Plane Recordings out of Los Angeles, California. The Astral Plane is a blog that covers a pretty huge range of music from across the world. Uh, some people call it club music. The internet has, has definitely brought on an era of constant communication, and that's led to a lot of really incredible sharing of ideas. Uh, but it's also led to a certain amount of homogeneity from the production side of things, of people, you know, putting a ballroom crash on, on everything, uh, putting an esky click on, on everything. It's sort of a nebulous, strange space that it's hard to apply a, a value judgment to, but has definitely changed uh, the way these musics are taken in and perceived and played out, for better or worse. The, the internet, just unrestricted paths of ideas traveling, geographic limitations just being cut away and that means that you know when someone makes something it just spreads in all directions it's, it's it's amazing because we all have access to all this stuff but at the same time it's also quite risky because it means that context can get erased very easily um having said that it doesn't seem to be like detrimental to those local scenes so like if you look at something like i mean we always use jersey club as an example i don't know why but it's just a good one to look at but if you look at something like jersey it's still popping and it's very much a local aesthetic there um that, that just keeps developing and it's like a, a, a group dialogue between the whole scene that all the producers that make jersey stuff and like you know ideas and memes get internalized so quickly into that like fabric of jersey club at the same time it all lives online so it's kind of a it's an interesting one to think that like it's spread um like outward hasn't really affected its own development i think that the some of the cons are worth sort of considering because and I, they're not necessarily cons, but it's more just like they're, they're, they're risks or pitfalls of taking influence from something that doesn't come with context. Um, is I think that people just have to be really careful. Producers in the West, in countries, you know, in, in, in wealthier countries, and um, not necessarily wealthier countries, but just from wealthier backgrounds, the ones that have the privilege of having access to some of these ideas that are spreading out. We just all got to be careful, that's all. And we just have to make sure that we're sort of borrowing ideas respectfully and always making it known, I guess, what those ideas are stemming from, um, rather than um, kind of making it seem as if they're wholly original or... Um, yeah, I guess it's just issues, issues around appropriation that need to be considered by um, producers in the West. Uh, I would agree with Bok Bok. Appropriation has been a huge issue, not just genres, but even like DJ styles and um, aesthetics and all of it. When you hear something that sounds really magical and new and you've never heard it before, it's because you've never been where that person's been. And when you see a flyer and you're like, wow, that's such cool artwork. It's not competition for cool it's a story it's a narrative it's personal it's autobiographical my friends make beats same thing they taught themselves they never went to school they didn't study any instruments they just are speaking from their very black very gay experience it's more about expressing yourself feeling fully realized in the world so when someone who doesn't feel that need to express themselves 
uses what you've created and pretends like you don't exist. It's kind of weird. Um, it's weird because it just totally takes the power out of what you do. So I would say this generation should, should have a little bit more respect. Lately, new sounds have been coming out of scenes like Principe with, in Lisbon. Um, you're seeing Nafi, the Guam scene that's happening in South Africa. So you're seeing a lot of scenes that are starting to pop up. And those three that I just mentioned are, are really big scenes because I think it's kind of changing the way that people see club music as just maybe a, a London-centric or United States-centric um, theme. So it's been really, really cool to see. And I think more people are going to start to catch on to these sounds. And you're already seeing that with groups and producers following in the footsteps of labels like Fade to Mine and Night Slugs. I think that's going to contribute to kind of this global world club sound. I'm not even sure what to name it, but I think those are the next steps. I mean, I still feel like... Kingdom from Fade to Mind. There's a great deal of sexism and homophobia in the, the dance music community at large. And also the kind of phobia of the type of kind of mixed format DJing that we do. Despite the fact that we've influenced so many people, you know, there's still... A kind of level which at which we're not welcomed so much into larger clubs sometimes or into clubs that have certain music policies or even just that we're culturally from such a different place we're not broing down with like the managers and the and the EDM guys and, and, and you know just sometimes we just don't fit into that scene socially so it just seems like okay we're super influential we've we've accomplished all this stuff but like where are the bookings where are the showcases you know where is the where are the larger shows to, to show the rest of the world how important what we've done is and that still hasn't really happened as much and i do think it's to a degree you know about the boys club that runs it and also the people are afraid of what the surprise might be of what we might play and I think there's still some unwelcoming vibes in those, you know, larger clubs and festivals and stuff like that. A dream for uh, the project to become more effective in my way of transmitting the message through the sound and healing through the sound. Hopefully being able to see the change we want soon. One of the most important things for me, yeah. <laughs> You've never... I don't know, it sounds bad, but like never really expected or wanted anyone else to kind of be into what we're doing, I suppose. In a way for it to be exciting and good, it kind of needs to stay that way. So it needs to have like a certain like weirdness to it or like something uncomfortable about it to make that makes it exciting.